Hey, welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm Jordan Donna Coltman, joined by Tyler Walzak. Uh, Braden is unable to join us this week, but don't worry. Tyler and I will take very good care of you. All of our listeners out there, if you haven't listened to us before, this is the show where we are going to catch you up on the recap of the race that just happened in Formula One. And then we're going to get to uh, some just conversations about what else is going around. And there's a lot going on. We are in the second weekend of a triple header coming out of the summer break leading us into the second half of the season. And it is very quickly becoming both incredibly anticlimactic on the championship front and equally incredibly dramatic uh, on all the other fronts, (laughs) because there are so many moving pieces now in terms of driver's seats, in terms of where teams may or may not finish teams that are going to start to pivot towards focusing on next next season and all of that kind of stuff. Lots to shake out. I think there's about 11 races left here. Um, but look, at the end of the day, this race was always going to be about Max Verstappen. It's the home race for the Dutch-born driver. He basically became a knight or something this weekend, Tyler. He was given like the highest civilian honor that a citizen of the Netherlands can receive. I mean, I don't think they actually call him like Sir Max, but basically it's the same thing as being knighted or the Order of Canada for our Canadian listeners. Um, so I don't know what we're supposed to call him now. I think Christian Horner joked it's something they should just call him Super Max, which is kind of a funny plan words. But look, he was super this weekend. Um, and again, in a race where he, he, he had some familiar but kind of new to this season challengers in Mercedes. But for you, we've talked about it a lot. I, I, obviously, neither of us are Max's biggest fans. But as fans of the sport, you can't deny how amazing he's been. I believe he's three wins away right now um, from tying the all-time wins in a season record. Like, he's he's on an unbelievable pace this year. Well, he, ha- he has the best car, and he has the he is the best driver. Like, there's no getting around that. Lewis Hamilton is very, very good, but Lewis Hamilton has passed. Max Verstappen has now passed Lewis Hamilton. It's clear. It's evident. It's not even an arguable thing anymore. And... The unfortunate thing is that I think Max is a villain. And even if Max, we, let's talk about this, because even if Max isn't a villain in terms of like how the way he acts, how he portrays himself, his fans and what they are doing to the sport yeah. is starting to make him a villain. They are starting to get rowdy. They're starting to get more like soccer hooligans. Throwing, like we saw during, it was, it was um, qualifying, right? When they... Yeah. Or yeah. yeah so they're throwing flares onto the the track and it's just not okay. It's like let's get past all the safety things and all that, but you're now actually affecting people's um plans and like who was out there? Latifi, I think, was out there, or Alex Albon was out there. It was Albon. Yeah, it was Albon. Yeah. He was and the first guy. He out. had to change his strategy because someone yeah. was on the track and yeah. now his tires are a lap old and he can't like it's like and you could be listening to this and go, oh, well, whatever, his tires are lap old, but there's a huge difference. Fresh tires are a massive thing in a race. And now it was, it affected him. It could have affected others if it happened more. It's good to see that they're getting rid of the flares. It's also bad to see that they're getting rid of the flares because the flares are super cool when it was last year and you saw Max winning and the flares went up in the stands. Sure. But sure. that's fun. That's cool. That's okay. But the fact that you bring it to the track now is like, what are, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're just, you're impacting everybody's fun level. You're also impacting the sport, which is rare in, in sports. Like you could throw something on the ice in hockey and they just, they keep the timeout or the pause in the game playing go on, but it's, you're actually affecting driver strategies when you do something like this. And unfortunately for Max, like I said three episodes ago, starting to not hate Max as much as I used to hate him because of the, how he's acting in in the, the the driver's seat and how he's actually kind of becoming more relatable and more fun to listen to because he's not complaining and whining all the time. He's actually becoming more of a guy that's like, okay, like he's having fun. It's good to see him win. It's he's doing it. He's doing it really well. But then you see his fans and you hear about them in like four or five races ago, Belgium. And what was the other one before that? Austria too. Austria, where there was all the harassment yeah. complaints. Yeah. Yeah. So now his fans are starting to actually, portray him a little bit and it's like it, it might not be fair but at the same time like you you choose kind of like you guilty by association and it's unfortunate for max but it, it's it's a thing it is a thing and i think it needed to be talked about because it might not be his fault but something has to change something has to happen since fans are becoming unruly and this was his home race which was fun for him to win and he won in style 
but you can't have that. And it has to stop at some point. I don't know how they make it stop, but it has to stop. Yeah. And I think everything you said is right. And I think that that has been echoed by uh, across the board, everyone from, from formula one, a lot of the commentators and everybody talking about it, obviously the guys on the broadcast itself were pretty um, straightforward in it. It, 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 it taints the, the sport and in, in it equally taints uh, the reputation of um, Max and his, and his supporters because the vast majority of them, I'm sure um, behave themselves or whatever, but it always, it yeah. only takes a few people to be idiots um, to lead to that. But as you say, you know, like Max, Max is, I, I can't argue with you. He's the best driver right now in Formula One. He's probably the best driver in the world in any level of of, of race car driving. Formula One's yeah. right up there. He's unbelievable. This is a kid who got into a go-kart at three years old. This is what, what he was literally born and bred to do, and he's excelling. Uh, he was the youngest and now will be forever the youngest driver ever to drive Formula One because they actually made a Max Verstappen rule and upped the, the minimum age to 18. He believe he started technically testing these cars at like 16 years old. He's unbelievably, uh, he's a protege, right? He's like, he's he, uh, just born and bred to do it. He's coming into his own. He's obviously a world champion with with an asterisk from all of the drama of last year. He's taking that asterisk and throwing it away because he will legitimately yeah. win an unbelievable season this year. Uh, it, it it almost makes last season irrelevant because of how competent and how successful he has been as a driver this year. And he he looks relaxed. That's the biggest thing. Like when you see any athlete, but when you see an athlete relaxed at the top of the sport, then you you are that's when you should be afraid because yeah. they are so comfortable in the winning position. And you can look at all of his competitors around him, and they're from different reasons, right? Mercedes has been on the back foot all season. They're, they're starting to figure it out, but they know they're in the chase position and they were never going to really catch him. So they're kind mm-hmm. of, they, they look like they're kind of in more of the confused perspective, but then you got Ferrari who from the very beginning of the season, it really was like, this should be Ferrari's, you know, chance to go head to head with him. It should be Leclerc's chance to go head to head with him. Everything was set up. Everything was perfectly aligned for it. And then they're just like the bumbling idiots who can't get, can't keep their pants, you know, uh, tied up around their waist and they keep tripping over themselves. Like they're complete. We'll, we'll get to the rest of that, but I just want to finish on the max thing. I want to finish on the max thing. Cause I did have a point here. I, I, I misspoke a second ago. I said there was 11 races. What I meant, the 11 was in my head because of this. If max wins, Next week in Monza, he has 11 wins. He's then right. only two more away. He literally has to win three of the last, what did you say? Eight races, seven eight, or eight races? Eight races left. He eight has to win left. three of them. How is he not winning three of them? He wins three he's of those. He's winning five. He's going yeah, to win five. Exactly. And here's the thing. If um, uh, the last time a driver was this prolific, I mean, Lewis has had some pretty prolific seasons, but really the last time a driver was this prolific, you have to actually go back to Sebastian Vettel in a Red Bull who came out of the summer break and didn't lose again. And I think Max could do that. Like Max is completely in a position with the rocket ship he's driving to run the table and yeah. put himself at the top of the mountain unequivocally, no questions asked and, and leave everybody else next year chasing again. Um, it's been phenomenal. And I know we're... I, 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 every week we kind of s- pretend like we can't really say it. He's he's the world champion. He's going to be the world champion. Let's just he's, be done with it, and we can talk about other things. <laughs> if you want, like an analogy, I know it's a lot of listeners might not listen to basketball, but you Lewis Hamilton, Michael Jordan, Max Verstappen, LeBron James. Okay, it's, so here's my only issue. It is that. that where does where does Mick, where, do, where where does Michael Schumacher fit into this though? Because I've well, heard someone the, else make a, a very similar. Thing. So what is he he's like? A, Wilt. He's, yeah, he's the generation or before he, that. that lead, he, yeah. like, and okay. it also, this is the thing about sports is that I say Michael Jordan is the greatest because I grew up watching Michael Jordan. Sure. The next, like the generation that watched LeBron James is going, LeBron James is the best because they never got to see Michael Jordan. Right. But really, you're talking about like Wilt, Kareem, um, Magic Johnson. Like those guys are also probably Russell their generations <laughs> like no you'll never beat those guys I mean, yeah, Rus- no, Russell, Russell right like it's yeah you got to go but then yeah. then you can get so, into we can get into some of the old F1 drivers so here's another yeah, you, but if you, we're going based on like recent recent things like yeah. Michael Jordan 90s then yeah. LeBron James the next guy to take over is the most recent kind the of only like difference thing. the only it's, I think there, there is a there is a one another there's one additional difference here though and it's the overlap the fact that you have Lewis and Max that, yes. driving in the same at the same time and the overlap yes. there's really really cool and look Lewis isn't done and dusted and washed yet I don't believe that I think that he's in a bad car and I do believe that and we're going to talk about him in a second because he had a big role to play in this race. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's still space, I think, for Lewis to, to have one more sort of moment of challenging Max here if he gets the right vehicle. I had one more thought on Max. Um, so yeah, you you it. said you called him a villain, and I think that that's fair because he's come up 
in a way that, you know, like a lot of people would say, oh, he's second generation. A lot of it was given to him. Obviously the name's attached to it. Uh, you look at how he drives, especially when he's a little bit younger, very aggressive, little regard for the other racers out there on the track. Um, but for me, when you look at how skilled he is, is, he, is the better analogy right now in terms of modern athletes for him, actually like Aaron Rodgers, like all the skill in the world, but kind of people love to hate him. Yes, that is that that is a good analogy because you think okay, well Tom Brady, it yeah Tom. I mean Brady, Tom Brady earlier, people love to hate too, but as Tom got older, I think the edges got a little they softer hated that on team. Tom Brady. That's they fair. hated that That's team. Fair. Whereas Aaron Rodgers with uh, his I have been immune or whatever he said. Yeah, right about the vaccine. Like yeah, it just it was things that you can hate on him for, like just the way he lives his life. People hate on it and whatever. Like everybody can live whatever life they want, but it is a lot to do with drive to survive the way they did portray max um, was the, the, the first problem in this whole scenario for Max Verstappen. I know it was with me. It was this cocky kid that ooh, he hasn't proven anything where you have Ricardo who everybody loves in the other seat in the red bull. So it kind of is like this yeah. bratty kid is pushing out this great champion is kind of totally cool. at the no. same time. Like you let's talk about like, Ricardo lose, leaving Red Bull biggest mistake of his career, probably. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, hindsight's what it is, obviously. Look, he was always going to be second fiddle. I think he recognized what we're all now seeing in, in Max, maybe before everyone else even did. I think he knew he was screwed. I think, to be honest with you, the, the bigger thing that I think has become apparent in the last couple of years is a lot of people were like, oh, Lewis Hamilton's the hardest person to have as a teammate. I think Valtteri Bottas had a much easier job driving next to Lewis Hamilton than anyone who has ever driven next to Max did. Max literally is the center of the Red Bull universe. Everything revolves around him. There's, there's rumors going on right now that the reason Perez has started to struggle is because they've literally tailored the car so much to what Max's needs and wants have been in terms of their upgrades that they've left Perez behind. He, he's struggling with all of these things. Max didn't like how understeery the car was earlier in the year. They made adjustments to suit his, and that's fine. He's their champion. He's their guy chasing. That makes sense. But he's their guy. You know, whenever you look at the guys who've driven next to Lewis, they've always still been successful. Like Nico Rosberg literally won a championship as his teammate. Now they hated each other, hated and, each other I, but, and, but they were successful. Rosberg spoke very highly yeah, of Lewis Hamilton on this How the tides race. have turned. And I heard that and I like my ears perked up. I was like, whoa, oh, yeah. hold the uh, hold the on. What did Nico Rosberg just he said say he was about Lewis cheering Hamilton? for him? He was he cheering he was for him. Cheering said, for I am him. cheering for Lewis Hamilton right now. I, I was shocked. I know. So let's talk about Lewis for a second. Uh, This is a good pivot point to Mercedes. Mercedes had a good weekend overall. It's interesting. They have had these kind of like yo-yos of success. Obviously their car is very successful in uh, turny high speed turn tracks. They've got when, whenever they're able to maintain speed through corners, they do well. They have very uh, bad aerodynamics in a straight line. They struggle on tracks with, with long straight DRS zones. Uh, That's just, a, a flaw in their current aerodynamics package. I'm sure it's the first thing that those engineers back at Rackley are working on right now to solve for next year, because that is where both the Ferrari and the Red Bull have had them all season long and they have done very little to fix it, but mm. all race long, all weekend long, I should say they had great pace. They had a good couple practice sessions. It was clear very early on that they were finding it much more, um, uh, much easier to get the tires up to temperature. They were having really good results. The timing charts looked great. Um, especially on Friday when like Red Bull was struggling a little bit and it was like, Oh, Mercedes has come to play and they've kept that through. And after the frustration, I think at spa with obviously a DRS failing for Lewis, they really went into that um, qualifying session with high hopes and they got kind of screwed again this, this weekend because they made a, a choice, a strategic choice to wait uh, during quality three to go out rather late because they were recognizing that the temperature on the track was getting better. And if you'd look back at qualifying too, all the guys who finished like Max had done his time. He was leading the charts. He went into the garage, everybody who finished once the clock had run down, they were taking like half seconds or a full second off of Max's time. And it was like, Whoa, mm-hmm. this track is really coming into its own. So I think there was a lot of, um, strategy that went into that but obviously Paris spun out it cost Mercedes some positions and they they had to start again on the back foot but right off the start good start by Lewis a little bit of contact again not like last week though where he, yeah. where he ended up off but you know aggressive and then he held his position and then they had what I thought was a really bold strategic choice they had decided right from the beginning they were the only team starting 
on the mediums. They, they, they decided they were going to go one stop and had the race gone clean of any kind of flags or anything. It might've worked. We don't know, but it was a bold strategy yeah. and it almost paid off for them. They were, they were leading the race one, two up until all the drama near the end. What did you think of Mercedes as you, uh, before we get to the, the ending of it, how did you feel they went? I think they were perfect. They were as perfect as you could be for a car that is not supposed to win a race. Because obviously Max Verstappen's car is the best car on the track by far. It's not an argument. So what they did with their strategy was perfect. And it was the only way they could have won. It was like they, they all slept very well Saturday night, knowing that this was the plan for Sunday. And I think this is one of those races where I hate to say it, but watching the race kind of go down the way it was, you sure leave Hamilton one, Russell two, Max Pitts puts mediums on comes three. The whole thing is he has to pass Russell. Then he has to pass Hamilton and there's 15, 12 laps left at that point. So the argument is Hamilton at that point, everyone's talking Hamilton's going to win this race because he, Verstappen has to pass two George Russell. Yeah. Now, Here's the thing everyone seems to have forgotten in that moment is that we're talking about Max fucking Verstappen. Yep, in a rocket He's ship. Going in an absolute rocket ship. George Russell. He is going to pass Lewis Hamilton. So yep. I don't think, I know Hamilton was mad and he, he should be mad. I watched Top Gun for the second time this weekend. Fantastic movie, Maverick. But George Russell left his wingman. Yeah, he did. He did. He left him and it was yeah. his decision. We saw him go into the pit before. Well, they, they were all going they into said, the pits, right? They were all going into the pits because they had to drive through the pits because where Bottas was. But you're right. Yeah. He made the call himself. He said, look, these tires don't feel good. And he made a choice. Now, look, he's on the podium. He's ahead of Lewis in the standings. You have to say that at some point, you know, you make decisions based on what you understand in the cockpit. And I think that's the other thing for Lewis that has now cost him two races where Max has caught him and beat him. And I don't want to talk about the first one. But the last time Lewis was leading a race, ah, the last time Lewis, the last time Lewis was this. leading a race, he was beat because Max caught him on newer tires. And I think the struggle here for Lewis is that a lot of that emotion came out because he felt like he was caught in the exact same position. He was out there on now. To be fair, nine lap old tires. They were not old tires, but no. they were the wrong tire to compete with what Max was bringing. And yeah. as you say, he didn't have a buffer. So I think that there was a lot of legitimacy there. The question I have is like, do you really think Mercedes in that split second had any way to really control the situation? Like when yeah. you watch it live, I think people look back at these situations and they think like there's all of this. Now there is a like, there's like hundreds of guys sitting there on computers running simulations, but they all have split seconds to make decisions yeah. and they make decisions, right? They make a decision. We, we're going to talk about Ferrari in a second and how badly timed one of their split second decisions oh, I was. I hate that we're but, talking about Ferrari. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. But just to finish on the Mercedes thing, like I don't think Mercedes should be leaving this weekend and that should be the thing that they're hung up on. They no. ran a fantastic race. They were in a position to win a race for the first time all year long, re legitimately win a race. And again, had one or two things gone differently. And we'll talk about Yuki in a second. But I'd look one or two things gone differently. They're, in, they're winning and they might be one too. So for me, for Mercedes, there's way more positives. And obviously Lewis calmed down and he, he sort of said the same thing. He admitted it, yep. I'm glad he got angry. I'm glad he got frustrated because it shows shows me as a fan of his, he still cares and he wants to win. Yeah. And obviously he does. Good for George, fan of his too. He gets himself onto the second step and beats Leclerc. That's for him a, a win. He's still chasing his first win. And who knows? He might've been on the faster tire and Max had a problem. We've seen that happen. He would have been in the position to win the race too. So at the end of the day, split second decisions. So here's my, this is what I was trying to say is my problem with what you just said. You said, George Russell is ahead of Lewis Hamilton in the standings. And you implied that there's it's for in-car reasons where Russell's making decisions. It was kind of the implication of what you said. Well, this race, now, whether I think right Russell not, made a better decision, race for sure. Russell race. made a decision. hundred yeah. percent. I get that. But we are forgetting that the first eight races, Lewis Hamilton was so desperate to have a fast car that he was changing things oh, yeah. no, so totally. drastically totally. that his point level should be higher than yeah. what it is. It's not. So George Russell has been the most consistent driver all summer. There's yeah. no doubt about it. 15 races, he's been top five in 14 of them. Yeah. So that's why he is where he is at now. And he still has a chance to be second overall in the, in the standings. But I just wanted to, that was my problem with, with that is that Lewis was taking more risk this year because he has more to lose in this season than George Russell does. Sure. I think so, that's fair. But at no, the I same time, like this, it was, 
George Russell made a smart decision to change tires. It was the smart decision. We see that now. You can tell just by the. the I guess the question the is this: Do you think that if, do you think that if Lewis had pitted at the same time, on either of the two chances he had, because he could have pitted, he could have followed Max in, come back out behind Max, but on the same tire strategy as him during the virtual safety car, the Yuki one, yeah. and they would have been one two. But but the pace Lewis had all day. Had he come out on softs behind Max on softs, would he have had a better chance to win? Or then secondly, I guess, had he given up track position and gone to the softs at the last stint following the actual safety car, would either of those actually have helped him? Or was his only chance at winning staying out and hoping to survive? His only chance of winning was staying out. His only chance of winning was staying out with George Russell. And even then, I think that they would have lost. Yeah, once that happened, it was over. But you could have two and in the I podium. I still think they would have lost. You could have two in the podium. Well, I also think that here's the other thing is that if Hamilton chose to stop instead of Russell, they wouldn't have been able to do the the two stop in the same right. lap because they were one in one in three at that point. They I think double one stacked. Yeah, one in three. They wouldn't have been able to double stack because they had double stacked time. earlier in the night. They double stacked earlier sure, in but the race. This and it scenario, really well. this scenario, they were only seven or eight seconds apart, so it would have been extremely sure. difficult. No. Could, maybe it could have been done. They had the best pits they've had all season this race. Mm-hmm. Well, let's but, talk about pit stops for a second. So, but let me just say that if Hamilton before before you get there, if Hamilton is stopped before Russell, he would be second, and Russell would be fourth. So, whoever right. did take the stop is the one that was going to have the better race. They were going Plus this way Hamilton, anyway. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. So All right, let's Mercedes talk pit stops because I know you're excited to talk about Ferrari. Every week you're excited yeah, to talk I'm about not, Ferrari. I'm not. I'm I know the you exact are. No, no, I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> I know deep down you really are. Okay. Here's the thing. We have, I, I like, I don't feel like we need to continue to beat this dead horse. Ferrari's bad right now. There is a toxic, uh, cancerous strategic failure occurring in the back rooms of the Ferrari uh, organization. I don't know where it starts. I don't know where you begin to make the incisions to cut out the, the, the excess, whatever it is in there. Probably right from the top would be a good start. I, I, I would actually be surprised if uh, we see Bonato sitting on that pit wall next season. I think the head honchos at Ferrari are probably going to be so humiliated by the end of this year that they feel they have to clean house. But at this point, he's in charge and he continues to pretend nothing's wrong. I can't believe that we have to keep talking about just these bumbling, idiotic mistakes. So obviously what I'm talking about this time is this late, late, late call for Carlos Sainz to come in. They didn't have a tire. So my, my mother, this is a, a bit of a, a step to the side, but I want to tell the story because it suits this great. My mother was in town last weekend and there was a race. She's never watched Formula One in her life, but I was watching it and she's like, oh, I'm interested in learning something about what, you, what you're interested in. Show me, yeah. you know, help me understand. And so I try to explain it to her, you know, the 20 teams, blah, 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 blah. And the thing she was most fascinated about was the pit stop. She was like, how do they do this so quickly? And I showed her a YouTube video of them and they sort of slow it down so you can see every person's task. She's like, that's amazing. Just like the organization and the teamwork of it. I said, you're absolutely right. But watch this. And I played her, Formula One has got like a top 10 worst pit stops of all time. This one is now number one. This is one of the most uh... horrendous and embarrassing things I've ever seen. The guy literally hadn't come out of the garage, didn't have a, there was no wheel there. The three wheels are on. They're There's standing no there. wheel. And not there. only, not only are they waiting for the wheel, the spare like nut gun or wheel, gun, whatever the hell the it's gun. called, is sitting gun. in Perez's way and Perez runs it over. I don't know what the fine Ferrari's going to get for that, but it better be steep because that could have, number one, caused a much more serious incident. Yeah. Number two, could have really hurt someone. One of those guys on the pit wall had that thing kicked up or something. Mm-hmm. And number three, like it's just like this, this is unacceptable. This thing can't happen. Oh, I, it's a joke at this point. It's an absolute joke. And if, again, if Ferrari doesn't make significant changes, they can expect the same next season. I swear to God, they're just so dysfunctional. And they, I, I, I think it's if I think if they go in into next season with the same that's what I mean team that they have, I think sponsors start start yeah. dropping out. Yeah. of Ferrari. Because how do you how yeah. do you continue as a fan? Sure, your loyalty is in your blood. It's what you've always cheered for. I get that. I'm wearing a lion's hat right now but you at some point your sponsors change they don't want to put up this they're the ones that are putting the money on the table when they see the same mistake over and over and over again that's when they stop dropping out and ferrari got rid of the marlboro sponsors last year who was paying a ton of money to them and they're only getting worse so 
like I, I don't know what to say. Signs said it best when after that pit stop, just drove out of pit lane and just said, "Oh my god, just yeah. oh my god." Not mad, yeah. not not angry, just defeated. Yeah. Like, how are we still? Well, and it shows you the levels of dysfunction when something like that happens, because you could say, oh man, the pit crew really dropped the ball. No, they didn't. The guy who made the call dropped the ball. The guy who on the strategic side of the wall made the decision to pit at that late step. Look, there's dummy calls. We know that they got caught because they thought that they were trying to cover off Perez, but they made the call at a point. You have to know how long it takes your pit crew to be able to run. And we've seen the videos of these guys. They freaking hustle. Those tires aren't light. These guys are ready to go, but you have to set your team up for success, right? This is the same kind of thing that, that happens in other sports when like you've got too many men on the field or something. It's about disorganization and, and, and failure of communication. And that is what Ferrari has been plagued by all season long. Sure. There's been technical issues. We've seen cars catch fire, whatever that happens. But for me, at the end of the day, there is no team. Williams is more well-organized right now than Ferrari. And that is an embarrassment because Ferrari, like you joke about wearing a lion's hat. That's fine. But with all due respect, the lions have never been the NFL's most prestigious team. Ferrari is formula one's iconic brand. It's more like being the Maple Leafs or the Canadians or the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys. And sure the Cowboys have stunk, but when the Cowboys stunk, the attention is so much greater on them because of that. Ferrari will always have a certain level of pressure that the Williams is the Haas is none of them will have. And Ferrari has to figure that out because of that. And do you think that some of it, like, so when you hear the radio calls during the race, and if you, if you're becoming more of an avid fan of, of F1 and you listen to or watch every race, you'll start hearing and you'll start listening to more of the, what the, the pits are saying. Ferrari, everyone else has strategy A, strategy B, strategy C. Ferrari all season long, has been like, we can't do A, B, or C. We got to go to D, E, F. Yeah. And the announcers always are like, D, E, F. Like, they never do A, B, C. They're yeah. never doing A, B, C. So yeah. the guys in the pit, because if you're if you're not an avid fan, the guys in the pit have 30 tires on that wall. Oh, yeah. There's six sets. In sets of four. Yeah. Six or seven sets of four. I don't even know how many to have, but it's, there's, so they have to know which ones to grab because you have to put the set on. You can't yep. mix the sets up. Yeah. Sets have to stay within their their grouping, so for that poor guy to be like, I don't know, what what are we doing? Plan D three slash A four. It's like a, an NFL huddle where they're trying to cover up. Ferrari is trying so hard to hide their strategy that they don't even know what their strategy is anymore. Yeah, and it's laughable. We talk about it every week, and you're right. Like Ferrari is Ferrari. There's a name behind them. There's a name associated with Ferrari. It's one of yeah. the it's one of the biggest brands in the world of yeah. anything. Yeah. And they can't get it together. Like it, they have to they have to clean house yeah. with everybody. And it's unfortunately, I hate to say this, but like Leclerc and Saint signs are not to blame at all. But if this keeps going on for another season, it's going to be clean all house from the directors down to the drivers. Oh, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And and you know the most prestigious seat on the on the you know pit wall has always been either leading that team or driving for that team and i i, I wouldn't want to be either of them right now no because it's not going well it's not going no, well because what are they supposed to say like yeah. they i i bet you that leclerc and <clears throat> signs sit monday night with like a glass of scotch and wine or something like we are right now and just go what the fuck are we gonna do yeah. how do we how do we change something that we have no control over well and that's the thing that's they're, frustrating they're gonna blame been, us yeah there yeah. have been races where it's on them but they have been driving very well recently but so, and now they're, they're finished third getting, in this race and you he shouldn't had no have. business finishing yeah, third yeah, yeah, and he yeah, finished totally. third like and totally. signs had a five second penalty got him down to eighth from fifth yeah so no hundred percent the driving the skill levels the ferrari team has some of the most skilled drivers in f1 yeah. and the youngest too like yeah. the young yeah. skilled guys Ferrari probably two years ago you'd say that lineup that they have is the best on the grid. Yeah, it doesn't mean shit if you can't yeah. have a strategy for them. Like, and to have signs like really command what the strategy is, this is not okay. Like, he no. doesn't know lap times. These guys don't know lap times when they're in the in the yeah. pits no, or in their, in their box. Like, they don't know. Yeah. So let's jump to the last sort of major. Uh, piece of this race. I mean, obviously, there's lots we could talk about. We don't have all day to do it, so let's. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to like 
trim some fat here, but here's the key piece for me. There's a lot of uh, smoke surrounding the whole Yuki Sonoda situation. And I want to talk about first what we know and then all of the other stuff because it's it's fun. It's kind of entertaining to see how quickly people go down conspiracy rabbit holes and whether, um, you know, no, no, no uh, presumption here yet. Maybe you are one of those people who believe some of this stuff. Let's wait and see. Here's where I want to start. Here's where I want to start. So obviously I'm assuming you're listening to the show because you've been following Formula One to some degree. Maybe you didn't watch the race and you're listening to this to find out what happened. Thank you. Um, if, if you know what happened, let me just recap it partially from, from what we understand. He had some kind of issue coming out of his pit stop. He felt something in the car, vibration. He felt like one of the tires was misaligned or something wasn't quite right. And Fitted. Fitted was the word he used. Yeah. So to the, to the driver's credit, you know, he focused on safety. Now, to be fair, it's his own safety is strapped to this giant thing going 230 kilometers an hour and brought not to literally have a wheel come off. Um, but he also recognizes the team can get in real problems if he had, if he had an issue. Um, so he radios that in and he actually stops. He pulls over to one side and yellow flags are thrown. And the guys on the pit wall are seeing nothing in the data to suggest there's a problem. So they tell him to carry on. And from what it sounds like, he actually loosens his seatbelt because he's expecting he's going to have to get out of the car. Mm -hmm. um, so he either undoes or loosens his seatbelt. Now, there's some question marks around that because if it's found out that he actually undid his seatbelt and then drove back to the pits, that would be a very serious violation of the regulations. You cannot drive your car without all of the safety features in place. So he, that could be a problem. So after the race, he was very clear to say, no, 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 my seatbelt was on. Anyway. What we saw on television, obviously, was him come back to the pits and we're like, okay, great. So they're going to they're gonna take him out of the race or they're going to fix it. Maybe they'll change the tires, which we did see a pit stop. Uh, and then they'll get back in there. But thank God it wasn't a safety car because we're watching this race going. We don't want that to interfere with this. Yeah. Um, and certainly, if you're a Mercedes fan, you were you were breathing a sigh of relief at that moment, right? Because yes. Lewis and Russell I was, were in I'm one not team. a Mercedes fan. And sure. I was breathing a yeah. sigh of relief. Yeah. Okay. Or you're, if you're not a max fan, you were breathing a if you're sigh a racing fan. If you're, even if you're a racing fan, sure. like it was Max's, yeah. if there was no safety, like if there was a safety car, you know, Max's, okay. right. but I'll let you continue. I'm, I'm interrupting. No, no, Sorry. no, that's Go right. Ahead. That's right. But I'm, what was interesting yeah. was how, what we saw was weird because they changed the tires. And then all of a sudden you got these two engineers digging around in the cockpit. And at first it was like, are they fixing a steering wheel thing? And then it became pretty clear. They were like working on his belt. And then they sent him out. Now it was like a 14 or 15 seconds stop. 31.9. I wrote that the total time or was that the stop. stationary time? Stationary time was 31.9. So plus whatever the in and out time was. That's crazy. Yeah. So obviously he's already in last place at this point. Uh, he's coming back out into the race, but we're like, all right, we're carrying on. That was odd. And then three corners later, he pulls over into the sand, into the gravel and stops because he's like, no, this problem is real guys. We have to stop. And at this point now they can see it in the data. They pull yeah. over, they stop. Now we're under virtual safety car. And it's like, what the fuck just happened? Because how on earth can this team not be held accountable for the fact that they brought a car in that was clearly unsafe, sent it back out while it was still clearly unsafe. And in doing so affected the outcome of the, race dramatically they, dramatically because now everybody's pit strategy has changed everybody's getting free stops or everyone's not if you're lewis hamilton everyone's making yep. well, actually he did take a pit stop on that stop but the point being it changed everything right now luckily at that point it wasn't the full safety car we got that later for Bottas. but the point was this is there now the conspiracy part of this comes in because we're talking about alpha tori who is the little sister team to red bull oh my gosh could somebody have like could helmet marco have called over and been like hey do you mind causing a small tire alignment problem with yuki so that we could get max back up there to win his home grand prix obviously there's a lot of people who are still holding on to a lot of uh question marks surrounding saudi arabia last year all of these things look at the end of the day it is what it is. Tyler, do you believe any of the smoke when it comes to was this some kind of conspiracy? I I want to say no, because I think that Max Verstappen is so far ahead in the standings that it would be foolish to have it would it would be arrogant. It would be like it, it would just be them wanting to make sure that Lewis Hamilton didn't win a race this year. And I think that I don't think they're that petty. I know. I want to say Red Bull's petty, but I don't think they're that petty. I don't think it, it's that they're not petty. 
I don't think that there is a plausible way for them to have actually orchestrated this without getting caught. That's what I think. Right. And it's, so this is happening. They are before. Petty. Let's just acknowledge so this, they're petty. This happened where a sister team went out and caused an actual crash yes. so that someone could win. And they were banned from the sport for two years. Yes. Every, well, the consequences the would, would be very serious. Huge. Yeah. Now, I, I don't like the thing that gets me about this conspiracy theory is that it's been official now that the timing of the call of Yuki saying something's wrong with his car, something wrong with his car, is not turn three. It's when he's still in the pit driving out. Yikes. So that to me is like, okay, well, they could have stopped him in the pit then. Because yeah. he said before he crossed the pit line, something's wrong with the car, something's wrong with the car. Now, yeah. here's the kicker, that where he would have stopped in that pit was the Red Bull pit. And Max was just coming in to switch. So that's where I think the conspiracy theory is a little um, like, but there's always facts and stuff that, that sway your opinion. I don't well, think that, I don't think yeah. that. I, don't I think, think the other thing is it's like, here. obviously we get a very specific um, helping of the radio calls. They have them all. They have all the mm-hmm. data. They have all the information they would know. I mean, I'm talking about the FIA and the regulatory bodies. They would know very quickly whether or not there was data that was ignored, right? Like if 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 AlphaTauri ignored safety, you know, flags that should have been uh, alerted or things that they should have been aware of, um, then that would be a problem. And they would have that data to be able to look back at. They would yeah. have all of the radio calls. They'd have all the communication. The other thing is there are very strict rules about teams talking to other teams during the race. Now that doesn't mean that someone couldn't walk over off radio and communicate with someone. I don't know, pass them a note. Um, but the point yeah. is these two teams are they, not near each other. Their garages aren't near each other. Sure. They have some organizational partnerships, but that's at the very high level. There are very few people there on race weekend who would be able to have this. Well, all right. You nope. don't think so. Nope. There is a massive flaw in that argument is that on F1 TV, any given race day, I can listen to one team's radio sure. the entire time. No, no, no. So but you can't if talk I'm to them. But you can't sure, talk to them. That doesn't matter. Okay, what is that? Right. Why does that all matter? Right, all right. If I'm the Red Bull team, I could just say something like possum upside down <laughs> pineapple cake. And I now know as the Alpha Tori team, do something fucking stupid to help us win this race uh, but why like, there they, is okay so but why didn't they why was it why was latifi the one crashing in saudi arabia last year why wasn't it well I, I don't think that my point I don't think is that, that they're stuff, not doing i, I don't this. think this stuff actually that's exactly what i was about to say is i don't think they're doing it either okay there's too much competition there's too much it's a thing well, about also when people say if they like, got caught teams are, max would be like we're talking about max's yeah. championship that would max be would be in, at fault for this yeah. yeah and i don't like in any sport i think there's too much pride as an athlete to lose games purposely, to lose things purposely. Houston Astros. So not like, what'd you say? Houston Astros. So they were trying to win but, games. Oh, you don't think that Red Bull's trying to win? You're saying yeah, but there's too much pride for Alpha Tori to intentionally throw it? Especially Yuki Tsunoda. Yuki Tsunoda is fighting for an actual seat. Unless Yuki didn't know. He didn't know that they that they that they were making these decisions. I, I, I now I'm becoming he's a conspiracy the one that was he's the one that said there was something wrong with the, the car. I know, I know. And then they said they told him to go back out, causing the, the issue. I'm just I'm so I'm they, just you say there's like, yeah, there is something wrong. Yuki ha 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 yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah, drive, go, buddy. go drive. We don't buddy. want you to drive for us next there. year anyway. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think there's a conspiracy here. I do think that there is a very legitimate serious question mark around the seatbelt issue because i i would like to know why they had to spend 30 what did you say 38 seconds 30 buckling him back in point at that point it was so laughable point, too at that point call it just call yeah. it sorry bud we could like in the garage let's go you're already unbuckled get out of the car what a joke it was a mess it was an absolute joke mess. And before we leave, I know yes. that this was the last point of this, but there was something that happened in this race that I do think dramatically did affect it that no one really talks about is that Lewis and Perez fighting with Vettel coming out of the pit. Yeah. I think was, Vettel that had to give that spot up he way faster he, than he, what he, he ignored did. three blue flags. Yes. Uh, at least on the replay. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that actually caused, because Lewis was past Perez yeah. and then he had to fight Vettel and Perez came back and then he had to fight 
that he had to fight Perez and Vettel, whereas I think that he lost probably two seconds in that whole sure. thing. Sure. Um, and fighting Perez too for I think two or three laps probably didn't help the tires, but um yeah. but uh that's that's a good point. That was a big that was definitely a moment of like what the heck happened here. Um we didn't have hat trick this week, so I'm just gonna do an honorary hat off because there's one guy who actually I never ever give love to, but had a phenomenal weekend. And actually, it's kind of crazy that I'm saying this, but Lance Stroll gets uh, a tip of the cap because he uh-huh. qualified into Q3 for the first time this season and only only was prevented from getting higher up because he had an engine issue, which was unfortunate for yeah. him because he was qual like he qualified. I think, he was in top, the top four, yeah, and he would have yeah. he would have had a good race. He finished in tenth, like he actually for 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 all of the hate against Lance Stroll. He had a very good weekend and uh he you know he deserves a little bit of credit for that. So we'll leave it there for that part. Yeah. I don't have to go any further than that. But I know you're like he's one ahead of Gasly and kept him out of the points. But he did have a good race. <laughs> That's right. Gasly's but, got a brighter future ahead of him. All right. Uh we're gonna talk about uh all of the driver market and Monza after the break. This episode of the Pit Stop Podcast is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan Skincare. Busy Bee is an all-natural skincare line dedicated to healthy, vegan, plant-based skincare and overall wellness. They offer a selection of handcrafted body scrubs, butters, and washes that not only make your skin glow, but smell amazing. Their unique all-natural scents include gingerbread, ruby grapefruit, caramel cake, and morning latte. So why not treat your skin to something fresh and all-natural? Head over to shopbusybevegan.com today. And as a special bonus, BusyBee is offering listeners of this podcast a 15% discount on your first order with the code ORDINARYPODCASTS. Okay, so um, as promised, we're going to talk really quickly about what we've learned this week uh, concerning the next season's driver market and all of sort of the continuation of the musical chairs that always happens around this time of year. Uh, it's been a fun, silly season. Obviously, a big part of that being the very fast um, unfolding events that happened over the break. Vettel retiring, Alonso jumping ship, and then Piastri and the drama that ensued when he basically denied that Alpha Tori, or pardon me, that uh, Alpine was going to have him as their driver. That had to go to litigation, and the litigation was concluded this weekend. And so we officially know that he will be released from Alpine and his uh, development driver contract. He will be allowed to sign with McLaren and he will join Lando Norris next season as their formula, their second formula one seat. So we have now a clear picture of where Aston Martin is going to be because they have replaced one of their old drivers with another older driver in Alonso. Um, and then now we have McLaren has two young drivers, very exciting young drivers on their roster. This leaves a huge hole at Alpine, but we're getting a bit of a picture of where this should be heading. Certainly where Alpine would like this to head. Do you want to lead us off first with the sort of the news around Gasly? When did this sort of begin to, to percolate and, and kind of where we are at with the whole Gasly to Alpine situation? So we talked about this five, we talked about this before the summer break. And the, it was a dream. It was a wish list yeah. item for me was that Gasly goes to Alpine because Gasly is a French racer with Ocon, who's also French with Alpine. That is a French company. Yep. So it only kind of made sense that all of them would get together if the possibility happened. Now, none of this was going to happen because he just signed again with um, Red Bull Racing and AlphaTauri. But however, this past week, AlphaTauri's kind of, or sorry, uh, um, Helmut Marco specifically has turned his eye to uh, Colton Hertha, who is in uh, the States right now racing. Driving IndyCar. Driving IndyCars. They want him to take over the AlphaTauri seat for Pierre Gasly. That then allows Pierre Gasly to move on to Alpine. So if you're a Gasly fan, which I am a Gasly fan, this is amazing news. Because that is a car that I still don't understand why Alonso wants to leave because it is the fifth place car. It's the best of the rest. It is fourth place, fourth place car, fourth place right now. Yeah. So it is a fourth place. It's the best of the rest. It's not Mercedes. It's not Red Bull. It's not Ferrari. It is the best of the rest. It is amazing that Gasly gets to go there. It's a dream come true for the story that is Pierre Gasly. And the only thing standing in that way, everything's settled. Red Bull's letting him go. Alpine has accepted him coming over. 
The only thing standing in the way right now is that Colton Herta needs to get his super driver's license. Like it's super license. Yes. Super license. It basically says it's something, some bullshit thing that says you have to have gained. It's basically a qualification to drive formula one. You have to have been granted a certain number of points in other racing, um, levels or 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 uh, categories to have qualified to be able to drive a formula one car their only reason that they do this is a restriction around teams going and signing some absolute idiot who hasn't got enough experience yeah. because they think he's you know now as you say that is the big hurdle here because red bull has made it kind of contingent to the whole deal that they get this guy to replace him yeah um that's quite clear he's an american driver so there's certainly a lot of attention on him uh, he would be a big boon for the sport to get in there obviously with the american market that they're continuing to try to cultivate i think the winner of all this as you say will be gasly the truth is the whole alpha tori previously Rosso project right from its conception was meant to be like a springboard into the formula one seats for drivers in the red bull academy the whole point was mm-hmm. you were supposed to be there for like three years and then either move up to Red Bull or if there wasn't a seat there, move somewhere else. Yeah. It was never meant to be like a full-time multi-year deal, which is where Gasly has found himself started there, got the big seat at Red Bull, got demoted back down. And he's been there now, what, at least another two years, three years. He shouldn't be there anymore. He's ready for that next car. And the other factor is from the Red Bull development standard, he's, he's standing in the way of them putting a guy like Colton or someone else who they want to develop into that position. So it's beneficial for everybody. <laughs> but as you say, the big holdup here is the FIA. Colton would need to definitely get some um, competitive practice laps in later in the season for AlphaTauri, probably assuming it'd be Alpha Tori that would give him those yeah. practice sessions. But even if he was to run a practice session every race from now to the end, he wouldn't actually get enough points. So they're going to, regardless of how many points he ends up getting in this, or if he goes and drives some formula two or whatever, wherever they are able to like, you know, cup and ball, sneak him into whatever other formula to get him those points. He's not going to end up with enough. I think he's got to have something like 38 or 40 something. Yeah. He's out of the range of that. But it's also one of those things, though, too, that it's the Red Bull and Alphatory are giving enough money to the sport that they're not going to hold this up. Yeah, and that's what you'd have to assume is that the FI will make an exception. The only issue that they will look at is say, well, if we make an exception here, when does this whole rule just kind of fall apart? And I get that. But at the same time here, as you say, eh, really, can we not make exceptions for certain people? (laughs) It's also better for the sport. Yeah, 100%. it's better for F1 to have an American driver on the circuit. It's better for AlphaTauri to let Gasly go see what he can do with another. And I hate to say it, but I think people are sick of Ricardo. So yeah. that's the other driver that was re- like going to Alpine. Yeah, so no, I wanted to. I wanted to point out one more piece of this, which I think is really interesting because there's another really big name. From you don't, don't say Jacques Villeneuve. No, 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 no. There's oh. another really big name though from the you know, auto sport world that is attached to this kid. He is currently contracted to Andretti Motors, who he races for in Indy. And there's an interesting piece here because obviously I believe the Andretti guys would release him to go drive Formula One. But does Andretti not really want to get into Formula One himself? Wouldn't it not be beneficial for him to find some way to make this work and to have some kind of partnership to start working with either the Red Bull side or the Alpha Tori side. Like he is desperately looking for a way in. He's got this driver. Everybody wants, can some kind of deal be made there too, where he releases him early to get him some extra points or puts him in, you know what I mean? There's you just an interesting, interesting about that, it, which I think would benefit everybody. And I only say Jacques Villeneuve because Jacques Villeneuve is doing test racing for Alpine this upcoming weekend right. in Monza. Right. Um, which, and then people are like, Oh, is he going to take a spot no. of, it's like, no, he's, he's not. not, he's 75 years old. He's, if, you, if you've seen him, he barely fits in the car. Yeah. But what I think you saying that and something that I think is kind of just in my brain right now is Michael Schumacher could go to Alpha Tori. Mick Schumacher. Sorry. Yeah. Mick Schumacher go to Alpha Tori. You got Jacques be, Villeneuve in your head. So you were, no. Yeah. Sorry. Be, uh, be groomed to take over yep. the the um Perez seat at yep. Red Bull, which then gives Andretti 
a sponsorship corporation with Haas, which is another American company yeah. with an American driver in the wings with Herta. So that actually kind of works out for everybody because Schumacher's not signed. He could go. Yeah. I mean, that actually kind of. It, it does. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to get that complicated. And the, the only reason I don't think it happens that way is because, again, the key antagonist or protagonist, depending on your perspective, in this whole situation is Helmut Marco, who obviously is the head of the development program for Red Bull Racing and their Loves huge Turtle. academy. Loves her totally, but the big piece here, when it comes to him, is it connects back to all of these guys come up through driver academies, right? And there is a huge yeah. amount of loyalty, and moreover, a huge amount of like protectionism from the guys running these organizations. They don't easily or or happily let their young talent leave, right? And that's the big thing with the Piastri thing is he came up, developed through Alpine or at the time Renault. And they were very upset that this is how this has transpired. They believe they had a deal. Now, obviously that wasn't the case, but they believe that. They don't like watching him walk away. Mm -hmm. Mick Schumacher is a Ferrari development kid. Ferrari is not going to happily or easily let him walk to a Red Bull team. I'm just right. saying that part of it, right? Sure. That's why he's in a Haas. They've got the Ferrari engine. He's going to drive for one of their teams until they agree to let him go somewhere else, right? That was the whole big thing with Albon going to Williams. They had to make a deal. He's still got Red Bull all over his helmet, even though he's driving a Mercedes yeah. engine. It's weird. It's what it is, but this is a big part of the sport. So, Yeah, it's, it, it does make it interesting though. Like Before, I for thought sure. it was kind of weird and bullshit that guys would race for other teams knowing that they're leaving in like 12 races but yeah it does make it interesting except for ricardo stinks now and he proved yeah. it again this past weekend it's tough right like one of our one of our most loyal fans maddie listens to the show to hear us talk about ricardo and i'm sorry maddie there's nothing to say <laughs> maddie's still listening i don't know maddie, if are you still listening <laughs> if you are, are and you got to this point thank you look sorry, ricardo ricardo right now um I don't see I don't see him having a seat next year unless for some no, god only knows what reason he goes drive well or Haas. But the truth yeah. is that neither of those teams want him or need him. They want young drivers. They're meant to be developing young drivers. That's their whole program. I don't know why they would sign him. Honestly, the most likely solution or the most likely outcome of all this from what I've heard so far is he becomes like Mercedes reserve driver, right? Yeah. And he becomes the, the next Nico, Ro or uh, not Nico Rosberg, sorry, uh, Nico Hulkenberg, who's basically been like four different teams backup for the last couple of years. That's the only way I think this makes sense. He, he, and he probably, you know, I don't know if he's going to want to go and sit in a simulator all year. He might just call it a day and go and enjoy the fruits of his labor. Like he's a very popular celebrity. He could bank that. He could use that yeah. for a lot of different things. People love him. Look, Maddie's a fan of just Ricardo, not even yeah. the sport, just Ricardo. And that's totally cool. He has, if anyone got the biggest sort of like curating bump from being on the Netflix show, I think Ricardo, at least season one, definitely 1, became the star season, of that show. Season one was all about Ricardo and, yeah. and fanboying Ricardo, but is the time's up. And I, I don't even know if Hulkenberg's the best example. I think Alonso would be is to sit out a year, sit out two couple, years, yeah, see if yeah. a spot opens yeah. up. Because yeah. right now you don't have it and you're not doing it. He also could go drive somewhere else. He would, honestly, I think he would probably enjoy driving NASCAR. He'd probably go enjoy driving IndyCar. Like the guy. Could you imagine if he, if he went to IndyCar, he would be the biggest thing in yeah. the United States of America. Oh, yeah. He would love that lifestyle. Yeah. And he lives in, he lives in LA anyway. So like yeah. he would be, he would fit that perfectly. He could so. like, even NASCAR. He would like it would actually be like a, a perfect fit yeah. for Ricardo in NASCAR. Yeah, and there's a team out there that would bank on him just oh, from the name my recognition. God, there's there's 43 cars on NASCAR. Yeah, he'd figure it out. One he'd of them would go. One of them would 100 get rid of their guy for him. Yeah, so I guess we'll wait and see. Look, we don't know where where this will all come down. We also don't know yet if we're going to see Yuki Sonoda next year. We don't know if we're going to see Mick Schumacher in the Haas or even on the grid next year. We don't know a lot of things still, so we're going to wait and see. <sighs> Schumacher will be on the grid. I don't know, man. There might he might be the one guy odd, the one odd guy. No out. way that Schumacher really. I don't think he, Haas right now wants he's to better than going. Botas. Yeah, but, he's better but, than Bottas in the last five races. Bottas hasn't know, finished man. a race in three races. I don't know, man. 
I don't know. We'll see. Really? You know, the one name that keeps coming back up is like, we've talked a lot about where the guys that are currently here are going to end up. And there's obviously some young drivers. We just talked about two of them, but there's one other name that seems to be coming up a lot more than I expected. And ironically, he was driving Formula E all season. Antonio Giovinazzi is back on Haas's radar. Like there's got, now he's got more experience than Mick Schumacher. He had three seasons in Formula One. Now, yeah. were they lights out amazing things? No, but he's competent. He's young. He's got something to prove, right? He's another Ferrari Academy driver who's got something there. You never know. So we're going to know in a couple weeks here as they continue to shuffle out but it, it makes for good content either way let's talk about monza really quick this is the temple well, that's a good switch speed. from from uh it's a good switch from giovanazzi to to monza because giovanazzi would be the only italian driver if he came back that's true and that's a big thing for italy for sure yeah for sure and if we lose mick schumacher germany doesn't have a driver anymore because vettel's retiring temple of speed monza you either love it or you hate it it's one of those tracks that um Again, we've, we've talked about this a few places. There's a couple races where guys seem to, everybody on the circuit seems to like it. Spa seems to be one of those guys. Uh, like a lot of fans may not enjoy Spa. The drivers love it. Monza, it's got some lovers and some haters. But one thing Monza has given us in the Who last hates couple of years. Who oh, hates it? Driver, well, I can tell you a couple of drivers that don't like it last year. Lewis and Max didn't enjoy it last year. Uh, and ah, I don't believe they, they enjoyed it the year before. Choose. But here's the reality. This is the, we, every season, there's always that one race. You talked about this earlier in the year. There's always yep. that one race where like somebody out of the blue comes up and wins it. The last two seasons in a row, it's been Monza because Pierre Gasly won it. And then last season, Daniel Ricciardo, let me just point out the last time. Hey, Maddie, this is for you. The last time McLaren won a race, Daniel Ricciardo was standing at the top of the podium at Monza. Yep. And they're watching him walk it, out the door. Not that he's better than Norris, but Norris hasn't won him a race yet. And Monza awesome could be that right. race. Look, this is going to favor Red Bull. We all know that because it's a lot of straight line speed. It's literally called the triple speed. 80% of this track, 80% of this track yeah, is Tell full. us about it, Tyler. Tell us about, tell us about Monza. It, it is if the only thing that you need to know about this track is that it is, it is the fastest, is one of the fastest tracks out there. It is 80% full speed and the other 20% is basically like the lowest speed you can get breaking, breaking, breaking. And then it's then it's just Got flat it out, flat out, yeah. flat out, flat out. There's a lot of there's a lot of problems with the cars that come through this with engine failures, with oh, like yeah. just not being able to hold that. Well, main, they're pushing like it to the max, that, right? Yeah, speed, yeah, max for the whole time, and that's yeah. why you get winners like Ricardo and winners like Gasly. It has been the most exciting race in terms of you. You can't bet this race. You you like it's not the the guys that qualify are not the ones that are going to win this race. It's whoever's engines survive. It's whoever is willing to go foot to the floor for 85% of it. Yeah. So it's, it's it, like, God, this is where Gasly won me over. Like I loved Gasly before, but when he won this race, I was in tears. I wa- I rewatched it all the time. Like 20, it's, 20, it's yeah. winning laps. Like it's so amazing. And then Ricardo last year, this is the race where you don't know who's going to win. You can't expect a winner. It is yep. flat out. It is, it's just, it's one of those most fascinating races of the year. I look forward to it every year. I'm so excited for it for, for this year. It sucks that it kind of comes on the NFL like season opening week because now TSN and all of them have the ticker with the stats of F1. Get that off of there. I don't want that on there. Get that can off. You there. zoom. Maybe you can is, zoom in. Like one like zoom point. in punch yeah. and you can <laughs> pop it. One below. zoom in. So if your TV's got but this, it is. This is the race I look forward to every year. And if I had to choose a race to go to, this would be the one. Oh, beautiful Italian countryside. As you say, top speed. I mean, I don't know if you'd want to watch this race live because your neck's going to get sore. Those things are <laughs> ripping past you, man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it should be a lot of fun, obviously, as you say. And, and as I point out, we're watching two things happen right now. Max is now chasing down the championship. If he wins this weekend, he is all but sealed it and will is one win away from the championship mathematically. If he wins in Singapore, uh, a couple of weeks after that, he is the world champion. But uh, this would obviously be a, a pretty decisive nail in the coffin for everybody else mathematically. It is already decided. But this is the mathematical. Well, now we're dealing with math. The other part of it, though, as I said, is he's chasing a little bit of history. He's three wins away from becoming the all-time most wins in a season um, driver, beating Michael Schumacher's record. Lewis never got there. So that would be a huge thing for Max. He's certainly in a position to do it. This is an easy race for him to win if the car holds out. We haven't seen a Red Bull technical issue in a little while, so maybe they've sorted themselves, but that was obviously a big storyline earlier in the year. 
if there was ever a race where you were going to test the quality of that new Red Bull engine, uh, this would be the one, <laughs> as you say there, it's a, it's a, it's a test for sure, but we'll wait and see. I guess the question is this, is there any other driver out there? And I don't think it's a Mercedes because they have struggled with the straight line speed, but is there any other driver out there for you that this could be a, a big weekend for like that you would expect something special from? I have one, but I'll let you go first. I was just about to ask you the same question. If you, if you don't choose the top three cars or any of the drivers, so take out those six guys in Red Bulls, Ferraris and Mercedes, who wins this race and who would you like to win this race? I've got two names off the top of my head. I'm not going to choose Gasly because he's won it before. I don't think it happens again. I'm going to go Fernando Alonso. That was mine. Yeah. I think this is his best chance this year to win a race. Yep. hundred percent. And then I go Lando Norris. I think Lando Norris and Fernando Alonso both can win this race this weekend because it's anybody's game. Like it, yeah. it really is. And that's the most exciting part about this race is like, if you look at it and zoom out, it just, it looks like there's no turns at all in this race. Oh, it's all speed. And who as do you, you say, who do you got? Like, well, I was going to take, get I was rid of the top take, six. Who do you think? Yeah. I was going to take Alonzo as well. Like Alonzo was my, when I asked you, that's what I was thinking of is Alonzo's had such great um, pace outside of that top four. And if something happened up ahead of him, I think he'd be in a great place to pounce. He also has driven this car very, very well on these kind of straight line mm-hmm. speed tracks. This is, this is favorite LP. And that's why they struggled this weekend, right? They did very yep. well at spa. They did very well in Canada because those were fast straight line speed tracks. Um, if it's not Alonzo, I, I don't know. I think I would have to go further down and be like, we haven't seen a lot out of the, Alfa Romeo's and maybe Bottas bounces back. Uh, maybe one of those cars has something left in it. They've done well in straight lines too, but I don't know. I mean, I really think this is Alpine's um, chance to sort of put it over McLaren for the rest of the season. I think it could be Ocon too. Either of those two guys. Alpine for me just looks too good. And it goes, I mean, you asked earlier and I just, it just occurred to me that you were like, why would Alonso leave this? Like, why would he leave the opportunity for someone else to take this car back? And I think there's a simple reason. I think it has nothing to do with the car. I think that he has a personal issue with some of the people running that organization. I think this is personal. Um, I've been reading, I've been listening to a lot of, of analysis of this whole situation, especially with the Piastri thing. And I think that it is there, there's kind of, there's actually like a correlation between Alonzo leaving and Oscar not wanting to drive there. And I think that the organizationally, and this would be a red flag for Gasly fans. I think organizationally, there's something not quite right at the top of, and I don't just mean Ottmeyer. I think it's beyond that. I think it's before Ottmeyer even got there. I think something in the Renault Alpine organization isn't quite sitting well with how their drivers are. And I don't know, maybe it'll be okay because Gasly's French and maybe there's, that's part of it. There could be a cultural thing there, but I would also say, I know I'm now I'm going back to this thing we talked about earlier, but Gasly and Ocon don't like each other. Nah, and... but they've apparently they've gotten, uh, okay. who gives a shit is what I okay. would say about that. Who gives a shit? Okay. Well, we'll why see. do you have to like each other? Yeah, fair enough. Why do you fair have to enough. like each other? Fair enough. Fair enough. And also, I will also, another thing I will say is that sometimes the people that the athletes of the organization don't like the way the organization is run. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, yeah. but it is best for the organization how it is run regardless of what the people on the team think unless you're Ferrari because Ocon doesn't seem to think too much about yeah unless you're Ferrari Alpine and yeah unless you're Ferrari then please let those drivers do whatever they want and yeah (laughs) but yeah no we'll see I guess we'll see I mean this could be a big weekend for Alpine that's what I would say this could be a really big weekend it would be a hell of a way for Alonso to sort of say goodbye and put put a little stamp on it because if there was going to be a race between now and the end of the season where he has the best chance to do something in that Alpine this would be it I I wouldn't be surprised if we see another one of those amazing qualifying sessions from him here the way we did in Canada I think he was second uh, on the grid in Canada he has a chance to to do something special like that and maybe Ocon can be right there with him they could they could make it difficult for a, a team like Mercedes let's say to get up into the first couple rows because they have struggled and in qualifying especially alpine should have the advantage of them in a straight line so we'll wait and see um obviously 
lots more to discuss. We've gone way over time on this week's show, but there was lots to talk about. We've got lots more to talk about next week. I'm sure everything will change again. We'll have four new drivers. We'll know all kinds of things we don't know today. Look, thank you for listening to us. Um, we'll be back next weekend or next Tuesday, I should say, following the weekend uh, after Monza, after the dust settles. And then we have a couple weeks off, Tyler, before the real final stretch of the season comes. Can you believe there's like seven races left? I know it's, it happens too quickly. And also, I can't believe that Braden's missing the only episode where we, where I hype up McLaren so much. I know. I know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, we won't let him listen to it and then he won't know. Um, (laughs) But thank you all for listening to it. We appreciate it. If you don't already, please subscribe, follow us wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends about it. Maddie, hey, keep your chin up. Ricardo's going to find a seat somewhere. It just won't be in Formula One. And uh, for everybody else out there, thanks for listening. Pitstop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations and we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live create and share stories on these territories the ordinary podcasting network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination but a journey and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space